with the fifth edition. Join our various gaming groups as we play the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons. And maybe just hang out and chat about gaming in general. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hey guys, Jim here with Creative Flame Podcast Network, and joining me today is Kelly. Hello! And Dale, a new voice from the internets. Good evening. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us on this, the last day of the RPG a Day 2022. <laughs> <laughs> on this, the day of my daughter's wedding, I can refuse no request. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, well, why don't we start with uh, the the title of this one, which is "When did you first take part in hashtag RPG a day?" Back in the olden days, <laughs> <laughs> I remember when. No. We had to knock rocks into circle shapes for our wagons. <laughs> so anybody like to go first? And Dale, is there anything you'd like to shamelessly plug? Because you can. <laughs> uh, not currently, but hopefully have something eventually I can plug. But mostly <laughs> just happy to be here talking with other people about uh, gaming and RPGs, which are were for a long time a really big part of my life. So, yes, just nerd out and talk about it. <laughs> and that's that's one of the big deals with hashtag RPG Day is to you know come out and positively blog, vlog, and chat on social media about how much we love RPGs, even if we don't have a current group. How much we love and cherish the memories that happen at the game table because that's a huge part of gaming. Yeah, I love those. No, no day. There we were. This is what happened. It was like you get to relive the moment. That was awesome. But uh, uh, I know that you and I, we've been pretty much doing the hashtag RPG a day since 2016. Mm-hmm. Way so. back in the olden days of 2016. Because I remember you like, hey, I found out about this hashtag RPG a day thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and can, we're like, what? <laughs> we can totally thank Ron for for dropping that one, and Tracy, when they're ah. like, "Hey, we're doing this for Savage Worlds," and I'm like, "I like RPG stuff. Let's start talking about RPG stuff." Yeah, and then uh, every year we've done it consistently. Mm-hmm. And each year the questions get better and better, or different, you know. And then they mm-hmm. try and 
mix it up. And the nice thing, too, is it's system agnostic, which is really cool. You know, it doesn't cater to just one system or another. It's mm -hmm. all tabletop RPGs. Exactly. Like I'm looking way back at 2016 on day one was real dice, dice app, diceless. How do you prefer to roll? Uh, real dice. <laughs> Hands <laughs> down, 100%. I prefer it. <laughs> of course, it wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that I, you know, like collect dice practically. I'm like, you can't have too much dice. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. Dice or. <laughs> 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 on the plus side in this day and age there's beautiful buffet of different types of dice available now i know right i can remember <laughs> going in when i was young to uh my local gaming store and this was in the early 80s um buying my first set of polyhedral dice and they had all these colors and I wanted all the colors because of course colors <laughs> but like I actually wound up buying a uh, clear yellow set oh. that was my first set oh. I remember back in the way gone timey ages when there's only like two colors of Chessex dice and that was it <laughs> Oh yeah, and of course the, but then you had the original set, the, the ones that came with like the super sharp plastic, where it would be like, you know, so just deadly to step on, um, and then you had to color it in with the crayon, <laughs> so you could see the numbers. I called my D4 Soul Piercer, for when you step on it, it pierces your soul. There's nothing quite like after, a, you know, a tabletop game, everybody's gone home and it's the middle of the night. You're just walking out to the fridge or the living room to go grab something. And, yeah, you discover the lost D4 that finally somehow magically came about just right in the footpath. <laughs> Jim calls them the D&D &D Caltrops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the ancient I, masters would agree. <laughs> I had a player, a uh, new one, ask what they were because they just didn't have any idea what it was. And I asked him if he ever stepped on a Lego. <laughs> it's basically a Caltrop. And so it, it's, it's the same way. <laughs> yeah, or then, heaven forbid, like you would uh, have them, one would fall on the ground and that cat would find it and it would just bat that sucker around and go under the refrigerator and you're like oh well there's that dice gone <laughs> <laughs> renovation suit yeah fetch a dime yeah. <laughs> you see all the things the cat batted under the refrigerator <laughs> break out the yeah. claw <laughs> well I had originally um, when I started collecting my dice I had this little, um, little basket that I, I put them in this little plastic basket the cat just kept going, take one out, steal the dice. And I'm like, I had a complete set. Where is it? <laughs> and then I actually found that he caught the cat stealing the dice. He would he'd just bite the dice, you know, pick up the dice and take off. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going crazy. He really is stealing my dice. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, needless to say, I, I, the, the basket was retired <laughs> for something enclosed. <laughs> Which leads me to my question is, how many people use Crown Royal bags for their dice? <laughs> Ooh, that's a, that is a good question because that is the original dice bag with a complimentary bottle of booze. Yes, I actually have my massive set of D10s are in a Crown Royal. <laughs> Crown Royal bag. That's uh-huh. a fire bag. Yeah, because I mean, like I have, it's like, you know, when you we were, when you're playing Scion, you know, and you need like tons of 10, di- t- you know, the 10 sided dice, and you're, you're like picking fistfuls up. Um, yeah, it was like, and of course, I have to have lots of different colors. <laughs> so, yep. And then I had gotten the uh, um, Crown Royal Apple. And I wound up giving that bag to my sister, who then stored all of her D10s in the uh, uh, the green one. So I had the purple one and she had the green one. <laughs> <laughs> And I just got a new, a new uh, regular Crown Royal one. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's right over here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this means I'll have to get more dice. <laughs> so fortunately, when I started, I was well underneath the drinking age. And so for us, it was definitely this odd nerd status symbol that, you know, you would actually have the Crown Royal bag. And unbeknownst to most of my friends that played, uh, my grandma was a quilter and she had taken mm. on a project to make crown royal bags into the bottom side of a quilt. But so she had a ton of these crown royal bags left over, like just dozens. And what I would do is I would ask her for the bags if there was any that she could spare and she'd give them to me. And then I would ask for just a couple bucks for them and to try to that's how I ended up buying um, Werewolf the Apocalypse book was from a uh, quote-unquote crown-funded crown oil bag sale. <laughs> nice! That's awesome! <laughs> that's awesome. That uh, you're so sticking cool. it to the worm, one crown royal at a time. <laughs> I still want to... I, I, I have this dream of doing this cosplay. Um, at some point I will. Get like a whole bunch of uh, purple flannel, trim it in gold. You know, we're talking full high Victorian, full bustle dress. <laughs> but like the hat and the accessories would all be giant dice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <sighs> totally. You know, the front apron would say, you know, because of course it couldn't, you know do crown royal but like crown regal or something you know <laughs> but everything else the same colors exactly one of these days <laughs> have to call you the dice queen <laughs> the royal. yeah that would be that would be too awesome <laughs> that would be one of those costumes that people would request for you to bring to cons <laughs> <laughs> and i would happily do so <laughs> it's that fun kind of meta where, you know, with Comic-Con just coming up here in a few days, it's it's, always, it's it's fun to see people put together, you know, their favorite characters, anime, all that stuff. But sometimes it is, it is really fun to see the really kind of 
niche meta, you know, costumes that are, you know, like a pun, like you said, just, you know, like a, a crown royal dress. Mm-hmm. And so the, all the, the dice chuckers would, you know, immediately, you know, smile like, haha, I get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Spoken connection with people. That's that's one thing I love at the cons is when they do the bl- the, the 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 blends or the you know the, the crossovers crossovers where you get like Disney Princess Mandalorians. <laughs> hey, those assassinate uh, Assassin's Creed Disney princesses um, at Phoenix Com- uh, um, <laughs> back when it was still Phoenix Comic Con uh, were awesome. They they were freaking they awesome. Oh, so stellar. <laughs> oh my gosh assassin's creed disney princesses it was fantastic yeah because oh the, the, the gals get all together and every year they're like okay what are two topics we're gender we're blending this year i think that's actually the same crew that did the mandalorian disney princesses probably mm-hmm. they were fantastic but that that's one thing that's just great with our our fandoms is you know the fact that we we want to see cool new things you know we want to try cool new things i mean our rpg a day is is kind of about sharing the cool things because guess what if it's cool for us it's cool for other people too yep you know like like we kind of covered it this month when we were talking about different stuff but new rpgs until you know about them you know it's untapped amazingness that you have not experienced yet mm-hmm. it is and half the fun is just learning a new system because i mean probably most people cut their teeth on some version of a d20 type system where you know mm-hmm. a free pathfinder something like that but it, it's fun to go beyond that and look at some of the stranger ones that you know the whole um vampire werewolf changeling it's like, oh, purely a d10 system mm-hmm. uh, it goes back to just d6s you know all this stuff and but it's fun that you get to use different die but really it's still just it's on the player base for you know creating a, a fantastic world and you know really just help bring it to life yeah, I mean, that's and and the thing is, different systems have different cool things about them, as well as it's what you're bringing to the table. You know, in all RPGs, it's what you bring to the table and what your friends bring to the table and what you bounce off each other. Because let's be honest, mm-hmm. there is a strange fugue state at the game table when everyone's <laughs> been playing and having a good time where A, everything is hilarious and B, all the walls have been brought down to the players, so nothing is sacred and everything is sacred at the same time. <laughs> um, my current campaign that I'm running, because I haven't just done it in a while, it's a, just pure family, but it's my nieces and nephews, and they're all completely new to it. They had, before this, really no idea except from uh, Stranger Things. Just mm. purely... And so talking to them about it originally like i they were so over the moon about oh that's cool because it's from stranger things but having them have no concept of it where mm-hmm. they're well how does it work i'm like okay well i have these mats i'll set up and have maps and things like that so i'll have them and i straight up uh, nephew asked like so is there like a storm event and like he really they, they don't have this thing he literally thought it was like Fortnite, where 
is going to be this thing. And then it, it just realized that so much of this stuff is going to be completely new to them and they've only heard about it. And so it feels so crazy, just like you said, where it's nothing sacred and everything sacred, where you want to bring them into this world where you have some of the most fondest memories with your friends and groups of people, but you also want to show them your reverence and the comedy and the, you know, the hilarity, but also like the serious moments of, you know, the, the grand betrayal or, you know, the epic quest, the, the, the final victory or, you know, the final death. And it's really quite something to take into account, but they are like, they're teenagers and they get to that weird fugue state really quick where they <laughs> really fast. And holy cow, are they all murder hobos? <laughs> I think everybody starts out kind of as a murder hobo um, uh, at first. And then they tend, you can progress from there. <laughs> can you? Can you really? <laughs> yes, yes, you can. <laughs> Like I, I have, oh sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, like, like for example, Trixie, oh. she totally did not do what you thought she was gonna do, and she didn't. You know, she just set it up to all happen, <laughs> but she didn't kill nobody. Hey, and that's that's another one of the things that's a reward for GMs when rolling a game is when your players do left field and completely pull something that's a brilliant and amazing and totally unexpected mm-hmm. and then you sit there and go well hmm, that's not quite how i saw this going <laughs> behind your dm screen they're asking if you can do it and you're like let me think you know I'll, let me see if i can yeah as you're furiously scribbling down new lines of <laughs> plot you're like holy cow i didn't even think about that but i have one person that plays her alignment and it's the cleric she's the healer of the group and she's the closest thing to a moral compass for the group and all of them like yeah they we talked about alignment charts and how they're not always super duper rigid but how quickly like chaotic good turned into <laughs> this guy insulted us to burn his house down like <laughs> 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 everyone's default it's like you know uh dark sun everyone's default alignment is chaotic neutral unless everyone has food and water <laughs> yes mad max takes over your life even though you're in a bustling city you guys have money in your pockets and the worst thing that happened was a uh, shopkeeper is not going to part with their life savings and yeah well i guess somebody's gonna die you know it's or or you know this this city has laws let's remember that for a moment (laughs) Uh, undercover police officer in this big investigation thing and she constantly forgets that she's a police officer under you know doing stuff She's the one leading the charge on it because she took that criminal role a little too serious. <laughs> <laughs> then you have that moment out of Fifth Element where the guy's trying to yell at the gal at the airport and the shield drops and the weapons come out. <laughs> oh, look, the shopkeeper's an artificer with automated crossbows. <laughs> uh, but 
And, and this is a fun thing too, to learn about new players as well is because, you know, I, I know my family obviously from being family. And so you kind of get a gauge of their personality, just being around them. And so you think that you're going to be able to guess how they're going to play their character. You kind of feel I got a player. He is off the wall. He definitely falls in that teenager family guy, just very chaotic comedy. He, he loves the absurdity of it, but when he's in game, like he's a scholarly monk and he just completely pulled a 180. And so he's the very intuitive person, very researchy, really wants to think things through. And it's just such a black and white transition. And so it's just amazing to see these new players really like immerse themselves in their characters and that some of them go really into it. I'm playing like there's three rogues in the party and unfortunately they're chaotic <laughs> moment as always, <laughs> but you know, it's like how the rest of the party has to try to like keep them in line. So they, you know, <laughs> but still try to let them do their shenanigans. And it's just, it's so crazy when, I have a niece that's kind of, you know, not outspoken, a little bit timid. And she, like, the first gaming session, she was almost silent the entire time. She just didn't know what to do. And now she's the one that is the leader of the murder hobos. That she's the <laughs> voice. And that nobody should cross them. <laughs> it's just really interesting. It's like, oh, boy, behind every Disney princess, there is a budding villain. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that. The Let's put the ROLE back into role-playing. <laughs> that is fantastic. That's a great thing, too, when you have a player find their character's voice. I mean, all of a sudden they go from, eh, I'm playing with this, I'm playing with that. The accent changes every couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden when they find the voice from some dramatic moment, and all of a sudden it's like they just put the character's mask on, you know. I, one of the rogues, he, um, like, they're all teenagers, so it was just, but they kind of, they named their characters. He named himself Bob, you know. Bob, okay. And so, like, fine, that's, that's fine, that's fine. Do you want to be Robert? Do you want to be Bob? You no, know, Bob, I'm Bob, Bob the rogue. And, but he really took it where I think it just, he, it was a piece of paper to him. It was a piece of paper with numbers he didn't fully understand, and mm -hmm. there's, that just do stuff and but like four sessions in the reason why he's bob is nobody assumed bob is going to steal from him nobody <laughs> is the one that is cracking into your safe at night because bob was just <laughs> he was just the unseemly guy looking for boring antiques but bob's the guy who's gonna and just yeah like you said just when they they come into it and they like find their own voice through a character Mm -hmm. And it's really cool. And, you know, that's something that I feel that gaming has really allowed people to do and to be able to get outside of themselves and to break out of those, you know, boxes that we have. I mean, um, I didn't grow up here in Tucson. Uh, I grew up in northeast Nevada where they have both types of music, country and western. <laughs> and, <laughs> And so finding a group of friends that were nerds and, 
you know, we could come together and have all this gaming stuff was really something because it was really quite a lot of people who didn't know what Dungeons Dragons were, immediately dismissed it, had a lot of very derogatory statements about mm. it. And I just remember there's this kid who, you know, we we would nerd out during lunchtime at the, you know, lunch table, whatever, have the books out. I remember a kid coming over and looking at it and just, you know, just looking at it, looking at the books, expect him to say something. You know, he didn't. He just kind of like flipped through the player manual for a moment and walked away. And three days later, he came back and asked us a bunch of questions that were actually kind of intuitive and asking, oh, OK, well, what do you know? And uh, apparently fantasy football. And oh. the, and it's funny because he knew all stats. He knew all this stuff. And so he became interested in stats. But he was so scared of coming out of his own little area that he didn't want to immediately do it. But he was like he recognized the numbers. He recognized all the stats. And eventually he played with us one time and we were playing um God, here's a dated one, Alternity, um, <laughs> and, and sci-fi and stuff like that. And yeah, he had a blast, but that he wanted to be a kind of dashing space rogue. I guess kind of before Firefly and all that stuff, but kind of a very Mel-type character. And it was interesting to see somebody whose only inkling of what was going on was, hey, this looked like stats from fantasy football. This looks like a bunch of nerd crap but I'm interested because it seems curious because it's not elves and, you know, that kind of derogatory line of thought most people have, but it's like, Oh, that's spaceships. And that guy has got a shotgun and to actually let people kind of come into a different world for a moment and really explore it. And maybe they would never have had a chance to do that, mm -hmm. to express feelings, thoughts that, you know, they could before. Yeah, it's it's it, you know, it goes back to the circle of trust in your gaming group. You know, there there has to be an implied circle of trust at your gaming group because you're going to be exposing your insides in your character in some way. It's not always the same for every player, but something, whether it's your bad day at work, you know, your good day, something in your real life is going to come out in your character at the game table, especially if you go murder hobo. There's a yes. reason for the murder hobo. Oh. Yeah, there's working out some tension or working out frustrations. And mm -hmm. like I said, play a bunch of teenagers <laughs> in high school. Yeah, you definitely see a lot of, uh, yeah, attempted cathartic experiences and to not to stamp on it, but try to help them with that. And, but also maybe it's like, Hey, you know what? Maybe there's healthier ways of dealing with this, <laughs> you know, try to steer it that way. But yeah. And, now it's always was fun. I mean, the reason why I even got into it in the beginning was just uh, visiting family and my brother and I just played AD and D with each other because you know you're visiting new in laws, you know, got new step parents or whatever like that, and you the first holiday at different place, you know, absolutely nobody, and so this was just kind of a way to you know, still bring fun and stuff with you. And he said, mm -hmm. you know, expressing, you know, some type of emotion through it and, you know, it's good. And so, yeah, and they, we have a, a way to do that 
without having to, you know, sit on a therapy couch. <laughs> I have seen many of those posts about GM therapy, and I'm like, yeah, I've had many a game where that's that's been a thing. Well, actually, that's funny. It's like, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, It Crowd, their IT Crowd, the British television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lasted like four seasons, uh, but there's only like six of us. But they actually did a D&D episode, <laughs> and it was fantastic. And it did – it was literally a therapy session for one of the players <laughs> so that he could get over yeah. – get closure – on uh, the breakup that he had with his girlfriend, it was <laughs> it was hilarious. No, and I, I I've seen it because I you know I used to play I I yeah I just remember game days. Oh uh, yeah, that's kind of the first gaming people I met when I moved to Tucson, and so yeah I, I remember there were some times where you know we'd be playing over at Ron's house and yeah somebody would be talking and all of a sudden it's like. Is your character saying that, or are you saying yeah. that? <laughs> it's like normally it's maybe not, but maybe time to be supportive of each other at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then if you get these moments where it's like somebody's role playing their character, and then it's like, but it like resonates, and you're like, oh my god, that was awesome! <laughs> you know. We have this one player in our group. It's like, I'm like, he's brought me to tears almost a couple times. And then there are some other times with a different character, like, you scared even me. I'm intimidated. (laughs) That would be Michael's characters. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's like, oh, my God. (laughs) And that's such a beautiful thing about this game where that, yeah, it's a fantasy world and you know, you don't really think of a friend like being that intimidating, but you get to just see that. You get to see these amazing moments mm-hmm. and just feel it's real emotion. And mm-hmm. you know, players, man, they put on Oscar worthy performances and oh, it's just beautiful. And to see people be able to do that and they work in the IT department in their real life, you know, something like that where, you know, they might not have the most creative outlet. And so and it's funny. It, he does work IT. Anger <laughs> <laughs> and frustration up this way. Yeah. Cathartic release. Yep. It's healthier than doing 10 to 20 in sing sing. <laughs> yeah. More last left stabs. Interesting thing to throw out there. They don't let you have RPGs in prison. Really? You mean... If you go to prison, like Douglas. So we were talking with Paul that one time, because dice get used for gambling, so no D&D dice. Oh, okay, I can see. All right. You would totally have to come up with a diceless system, which Kelly would hate. Of course, being in prison would probably be bad, too. Yeah, that would be bad. Just saying. Keep your kids out of prison. Buy them a <laughs> buy them a RPG book. Have <laughs> for drugs. <laughs> if they want to steal, let them play a rogue. <laughs> Get the crime out that way. Exactly. <laughs> Teach them the hard way that the rogues always get caught. Yeah, although it's funny because like 
Jim's like, he goes, you always play, I typically play like chaotic, good characters. Um, and he's like, because he's always saying, is it's because you're so lawful in real life that you like <laughs> to be something else. And it's like, and it's so true. I'm like, yeah, I always follow the rules. I do what I'm supposed to, <laughs> you know, it's like, but there's that part of me that just wants to be, <laughs> I'm going to do it my own way. <laughs> And then when she plays yeah. the lawful evil character. <laughs> oh, no. I, you made me do that. <laughs> but I'll role play it. <laughs> well, and, and that's a fun thing, too, is like exploring that because, you know, with my recent party, is like talking to him about how it isn't such a rigid system where, you know, literally you have to run your entire life through this one lens. You know, it's that whole thing about the Punisher is like you're one bad day away from becoming the Punisher. But, you know, what is, it's supposed to be a moral guideline where mm-hmm. if you are making tough decisions, but in in the moment, you're still a quote unquote real person. Like, how would you respond? You know, you're randomly attacked or you find out you've been betrayed, you, a family member has been killed, so on and so forth. Like, is your first thing going to be you know, this William Shatner, Captain Kirk speech about upholding the moral integrity, or it's just like, that guy needs 27 new holes in his back. You know, it's like the anger and the frustration, the rage and all that stuff, that's real. And yeah, normally, if you're playing a chaotic good person, it wouldn't be, I'm going to drop a ton of bricks on him. But, you know, it's like, as a real person, would you? Yeah, but what do you do afterwards is how it Mm -hmm. does, you know, controlled situation and letting you know your player base explore that and bring life into that because i yeah i got people who would never want to play an evil character and they 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 like the you know they like playing good characters the closest they get will be robin hood stealing basically but you know they'll never be the the warlock burning somebody's house down Oh, I'd be the warlock. <laughs> because they now have other types of warlocks. You don't have to be evil. <laughs> but I no, I'd still be the <laughs> It's my favorite class in World of Warcraft too. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, it's 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 fun. At, well, and sometimes when you you're playing because Jim's like, yeah, let's switch it up. Let's play a Sith game or let's play, you know, and then it's like, okay, how am I going to do this? Okay. All right. I can do this. It's like, but when <laughs> we were playing, I was playing a drow priestess Oof. escaping from prison. And it's like, so we came across some, you know, these, these moon elf and I'm like, Oh my God, I had to stop. And I had to out of character go, I can't believe I'm going to do this. This is so wrong. This is evil and wrong. And I'm like, but that's what my character would do. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, back in character. Okay. You know, <laughs> I do something really terrible, but it's like, oh, like, and, and I was playing this uh, apocalypse engine game, zombie one. And I literally had to say, it's like, you know, 
break character for a moment and, and apologize. It's like, I am so sorry. This is not me. Okay. <laughs> back in character. I scared myself. You know? <laughs> it was like, oh my God, I went full Negan. <laughs> Nobody wants to have to give a Negan speech unless they want to give a Negan speech. (laughs) (laughs) With my character, though, I was like, my, my characters, uh, the, the thing was a, uh, uh, what was it? Tyrant was Mm -hmm. the, uh, they were a tyrant, former SWAT police officer. Um, and, and oh, he was—he was just a terrible person. He was, um, but you played but, him masterfully. But again, it's like, how many of you I'm gonna am I gonna have to kill in order to keep you alive? <laughs> you know? Or oh. it's like, you know, th- there's I, only you, one chief. <laughs> Y'all have to listen to me. Um, it was like, yeah, it was it was like one of those moments where I'm like, but it completely fit. It was what that character would have done to assert his dominance um uh in the situation so it was but it was like super spooky game at ringon we were all traumatized <laughs> but i'll remember this game for the rest of my life it was and it's a very cooperative world building kind of thing where you have to establish relationships with um, the person beside you and and I had never met these people before and it was like but here our characters had these these relationships and uh, and you had to do it it was really it was really interesting building it and then when you got to play uh, pulling on those relationships and then you each had a secret sort of talent that nobody um, you know that if you use given under a given circumstance, uh, it, it gives you like extra, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah. And it was great because, you know, you keep it secret until you got to cash in on it. Mm-hmm. And I cashed in on mine. <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, Christopher and I were talking about that game a couple nights ago at one of our other game nights. Oh really? Yeah, about how how evil you were. Oh, well, it was my care. I mean, I wouldn't say evil so much as hardcore survivalist. Yeah, it was a it was you know definitive because the zombie apocalypse and we had wound up being in a prison. You know, the survivors had taken over a prison and. Nobody knew that my character was former SWAT and I had um like five of my team um there. That was her secret. So they're like my minions. No, no, my secret was that if I were to tell somebody I was a cop, it would give me an a bonus or something. Mm-hmm. And the prison, the way they had the the, the group as a whole was there is a uh, cop killer. Uh, a famous cop, brutal cop killer, you know, in the prison. And so, but she didn't know I was a cop. They all thought I was like ex-military or something, but I wasn't. I was, and I let them think that because I'm a cop. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so when 
oh, it was the Blue Butcher. That was the, her name, the, mm-hmm. the mass murderer's nickname. And, and she only killed cops. So when she actually got enacted, uh, cause she's technically an NPC, um, and I was, uh, fighting her. When I had, when we were locked in combat, I whispered, I'm a cop. And it gave me the boost and I took her out. So. That's awesome. That boost, yeah. But then when, and with that system, it's like you have like different types of damages in one of them. And my character pretty much always chose collateral because <laughs> <laughs> collateral damage. And at one point, one person got shot in the throat by a stray bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we, of course, zombies are coming at us. I mean, all hell is breaking loose. It's total chaos, but we're on the wall and this, uh, somebody got, they got, uh, oh, and we were being attacked by another group of survivors. By summer campers. Um, well, they came to our, pri- they demanding that we help them. And I'm like, no, we don't have enough. You, sorry. <laughs> you know, and, but they kept coming even though I told them not to. It's like, no, y'all can leave. <laughs> because <laughs> I was a terrible person. And, but and at one point during the different combats, one of the collateral damages is that somebody got shot and they got shot in the neck. However, <laughs> I knew for a fact from an earlier combat, the doctor was dying <laughs> from other collateral damage. So I knew that there was no way this person was going to survive. They're literally, it's shot in the neck. And, and in this zombie, it's, it's established. Everybody turns. It's like, person shot in the throat. They're not going to survive. <laughs> and I told one of my guys, one of my SWAT team, to put him down. Because the person was one of my own guys that was dying. And I'm like, you know, put him down. But, of course, the guy balked. Or it was like, it was like, we have to put him down in there. Like, no, no, it was, yeah, he was like, I said, we have to put him down. You know, I was going to shoot him. But one of my guys balked and says, hey, it's so-and-so, you know. And basically to kowtow this guy who is, you know, because my character secret information is I'm a, one of the things is I'm a tyrant. Um, So I turned and looked at that person and said and told them. No, you're going to put them down. <laughs> and I made him do it. And I, but before I did that, I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's like, I, I'm so sorry to do this. It's like, okay, back in character. No, you're going to do it. And it was like basically to reinforce the situation that, first of all, I'm in charge. <laughs> Y'all work for me. <laughs> who's your daddy that's me (laughs) um and then and then to also because i know that this guy's not going to live and i this way he's not going to turn so you know i wouldn't want to be a zombie myself and i know he wouldn't want to have been so but it was terrible it was (laughs) (laughs) and it was fantastic watching you switch from in character to out of character Yeah, and like the the person next to me was turns out our relationship backstory that we came up with is that because they're a psychologist, 
oh, well, they're they're the the police shrink. (laughs) And I had been sent to them for, you know, but what they don't know is that we'd actually had a relationship together. And, you know, but of course broke up and I'm a dick. So, you know, my character is, you know, and it's funny because so like I asked the, 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 the person next to me, he's like, okay, well, what's your character's name? And she's like, Rebecca. And I'm like, okay. Um, so every time I would refer to her as Bex or <laughs> Beck or Becky, knowing that that person hated it. <laughs> <laughs> because my character was a dick. <laughs> but I was that one, you know, it was, you know, but I, <laughs> but it was, it made the perfect, I was like the character, every, that, that, that one person that everybody hates, but sometimes is necessary. <laughs> that weird necessary evil. Yeah. Only could exist in crazy RPGs like that, where Ex- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like fantasy setting, it's hardly ever that whole like survival. It's just purely survival, and that is what's fun about playing like post-apocalyptic RPGs because you can really like put people into crazy scenarios and see what they'll do. And just you know, like you said, I mean that you can go to a place that normally you would never go to, but just to see how they do it, because some of the post-apocalyptic stuff, a lot of people have that like weird kind of, you know, thought in the back of their head or somehow we're going to fix this, or this is part of the Epic quest where we're going to restore the world. And, you know, to, you know, knock that stool out from underneath and be like, no, the world's done. You know, mm-hmm. you're just trying to live out whatever days you have left, and hopefully you're not going to do it by drinking bad water or at the business end of somebody else's gun. Mm-hmm. And so to put them into a scenario, it's like you guys are not the the heroes riding in in silver blast plates going to beat the evil wizard who releases the spell and the kingdom goes back to normal. It's like, no, nah, you guys really need water, and the people over there have a water pump. And so how are you going to get water from them? You know, are you going to go in diplomatic? Are you going to trade it? Or are you going to, you know, cut throats in the middle of the night? And to see mm-hmm. when you force players into that scenario, we're just like this, you know, we're going to we're going to do some fun uh, Lord of the Flies <laughs> gaming session. So, yeah. <laughs> And then, like, and, and me and myself, well, well, of course you ask. Um, but then, you know, it's like, and what if they say no? And it's like, so it's like, ah, you know, but it's, yeah. So it's like, but then how does your character react? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, that's fun too, because I, um, we had played, a. It was like, uh, I think it was like a Mad Max style RPG. We didn't play it with, uh, zombies, but it was just like after the, after the bombs fall, basically. Mm-hmm. To try to figure out like that. And, and I had a really good friend and he was always the guy who always played a cleric. He always played a paladin. He always played a diplomat, things like that. And he was the leader of the group. And what it was, um, you know, they have to get food. And the place that they're coming to, 
was a military distribution center where they're putting out MREs for the survivors, but everything just keeps going downhill. And they don't want to be diplomatic. They don't want to trade. They're sending everybody away. But it's like, you got people you have to take care of. Like, how are you going to do this? And just, he just like got a character. He's like, I don't know what to do. I really have no idea. Like, I, I don't, it's like, I, I don't have my tool set that I can normally use for this. And like, it's such a bro fantasy movie, but I was just like, okay, remember that scene in Fight Club where Brad Pitt's talking to Edward Norton said, I will get us to the finish line. I will drag you kicking and screaming. And in the end, you will thank me. Just channel that channel that you are their leader, that you're not technically against your people or them, but you care more about your people and you're going to do whatever it takes, even if you have to drag yourself kicking and screaming to the finish line. And so, you know, to see him try to take on that role. Unfortunately, the dice gods were not with him and they all died, but uh, <laughs> it happens. That's why we play role playing games. <laughs> and that's the fun thing about some of those one shot campaigns is where you kind of remind people it's like, you know, bad stuff could happen. You know, it's not always, you know, you got a pristine diamond somewhere and you can just cast a resurrect spell. It's like sometimes when people are dead, they're dead. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just like you're saying, you know, you see somebody catch a bolt in the throat. And it's like, oh, what do, what do we do? Do we use first aid? It's like, I think you need a trauma center with a very <laughs> cardiovascular surgeon. Do you mm-hmm. have any thoughts in the current post-apocalyptic wasteland? About- <laughs> <laughs> no, when I literally just saw the doctor get shot in the chest, uh, like, minutes before. Yeah, no. <laughs> and yet yeah. the funny thing is in that game, I was the drug dealer who carried a fanny pack with drugs always because – that was my thing is I was in in this prison as a convict for drug dealing. I managed to save the doctor with heroin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. role playing game and I rolled well. So apparently the heroin was just what he needed to come out of that shock from that gut wound. She. She, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she. Yeah. Sure enough that you can apply pressure to the bleeding area and stop it. I mean, gut wounds, you can generally survive they're more painful you'll die in about a week or two if you don't get it most times you die from sepsis mm-hmm. yeah but they're gonna be in any position to do surgery on somebody's <laughs> neck <laughs> yeah exactly you know yeah do you have a skilled surgeon that can actually like make sure to remove a bullet check for perforated intestines you know anything like that that you're gonna die yeah you can be com- <laughs> unquote, comfortable for the next week but then when everything starts to kick in yeah mm-hmm. You're toast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to my uh, character's mind, I mean, first of all, this is a mercy. It's like going to put you down and going to put you down quick and clean, you know, and you're not going to become one of them, you know. But the same token, I've got to keep maintaining control, you know. But And that's what's nice about with the role playing and you have like and a lot of them you have where you have your backgrounds or your, you know, depending on the mechanics of how you create the characters, um, you have these um, either cue cards or notes to basically to refer back to um, to help you stay in the mind of what your character would be. And like I've had to two box characters before. 
Um, and as long as those two characters are completely different, it's not a problem. As a matter of fact, my one of my main characters that I'm playing right now is a changeling um, with complete person different, like six different personas, not to mention <laughs> random, uh, you know, uh, appearances that they can do. So for each one, I have a, 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 its own little mini bio. I've got because they they could have. A, completely different religions, completely different personalities, completely different, you know, everything. Um, and I, to help me differentiate, I also assign them either a way of speaking or an accent to help keep it more, to keep me in that character. Mm-hmm. So, um, and most of my characters, I will look at those and I will use them sort of as a guideline to, to try and keep me on where that character uh, is coming from. Doesn't always mean that it's going to stay that way. I've had <laughs> characters where they start out as one, but through the journey, um, they they evolve and change um, and become either more multifaceted or traumatized right Jim, <laughs> you broke her. You sometimes, broke my character. <laughs> sometimes character drama happens, and you just gotta roll with it. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing is like you have a living world that you're playing with, where you know there's consequences for actions. There's, you know, there's the obviously successes that everybody chases after, but there's also the failures. There's also the like you said the trauma and the drama that happens and it's it's really cool to see like where that can take people to see how it affects it because you know so many people play their characters like 80s action stars <laughs> where they go through a literal meat grinder and how many of them you know like my best friend died in my arms and that's why i'm going on this mission of revenge but by the end of it i seemingly have forgotten that my best friend just died Mm-hmm. And the people can actually, you know, explore that idea of, you know, like grief, trauma, mm-hmm. you know, that where it's like, how would you deal with the loss, death, you know, the whole coping mechanisms? You know, like, mm-hmm. how would you deal with that? Yeah, like, and with this character, um, she was a, it was from a Scion game. And um, uh, we, Jim always like, uh, has you write up sort of your your when you're creating the character, he'll give you extra a few extra points if you write up like a, a tap story where the how the character was tapped that type of thing. So I I tried to do that for my Scion characters, and in my she specifically she does not drink, you know because it you know it it dulls the wits it dulls the you know it, it you know takes you know. Uh, seconds off of uh reaction and stuff and she's a well she she's got thieving tendencies yeah um (laughs) but she's you know sleight of hand is her thing she's a uh heck she's a magician she's a you know she's the child of loki come on (laughs) um so by the end by by the end of this long campaign She's drinking a lot now. <laughs> and when I originally wrote her, she never touches the stuff at all because it, it dulls you. And by the end of this, 
she wants the dulling. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she thinks that Ragnarok is basically going to be her fault. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because she kept failing. <laughs> did she fail or did she merely do what fate was expecting of her? Yes, but to her mind, she has failed. <laughs> Repeatedly. Did she fail or did she give her father, Loki, the scapegoat he needed? Yeah, that's true. But but the dwarf's betrayal, that that just broke her. Oh, the dwarf's betrayal after you sabotaged his mm-hmm. attempts to do an online auction by shutting off his Wi-Fi. I did sabotage him <laughs> uh, a lot, but. <laughs> and of course, what, what Kelly forgets to notice about that one is the two Volvo witches who are selling this beautiful trinket that was really summoning the giant's hammer, which is a meteorite, to its location. Henceforth, why they were having an auction to sell it off and get rid of it. Mm -hmm. They knew of Kelly's character. They liked another strong female Norse presence in the world. They liked her. And since I I actually pulled a Loki on them, and uh, from an earlier earlier part of the campaign, and I tricked them, but in such a way that they couldn't complain. Mm-hmm. They, they cursed her. So she was required to do a deed, and she did exactly as they said verbatim with mm-hmm. a twist, which <laughs> which is classic mythology. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. you got screwed oh, yeah. into a bad deal. You came through with a twist. Yeah. It took me a little while to come up with that one, but yeah, it you, totally you, worked. You put work into that, and there's a reason why I not only wrote down exactly what the the quest was, but made sure to give you a copy of the quest in writing so you could think about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's a fun thing to do with players, too, is uh, especially from a DM's perspective, because you have all the information or you have the ability to write the universe as you go. But to hand players something in writing, not just vocal, and see what ways they go with it. Like I handed um, like my players a prophecy, and just to try to see how they would interpret the lines of prophecy from it and see if they could figure out what has happened, you know, how it's going to tie in, what information that's already experienced in the world that ties into it, and just kind of see which way the pinballs go. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes it's hilarious, exciting, and <laughs> like just terrifying. <laughs> Hilari- <laughs> the hilarity happens, and then sometimes you get surprised and you write down what the players say because that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'll say, don't say that. You'll give him ideas. <laughs> and he's like, what? Taking notes. <laughs> I don't know what you speak of. That's a really good idea. Tell me more. Too is about being, you know, because I, I enjoyed DMing more than I enjoyed playing for a long time. And but when I go into playing, I, I found there's a lot of GMs that when they wrote out their adventures, they had wrote it out like a novel, and they really wanted to railroad people into going mm. specific ways that they wanted to, which is like kind of frustrating because it's like 
yeah, you have a centralized theme and you're trying to, you know, get them face the big bad guy, solve the puzzle, save the princess, whatever. But it's the idea of let them explore and that they're immediately like punished for going off the desired track where it's like it feels less like this living world game and it feels like some crappy amusement park ride where all you're doing is you're just hitting specific rooms mm-hmm. and you don't have much control over it and so yeah the whole joke is like yeah don't give them ideas but at the same time it's like you know it's supposed to be this you know as you said earlier there's that implicit circle of trust where it's like we're all in this to have fun it's not just to feed someone's ego and so to help create this living world around it and let the players drive it either they're driving their car to the top of the mountain to see the sunrise or off the grand canyon we'll never know until we get there but you know it's and that's what i like is where you know you're talking where it's like hey you know what my character had growth my character well growth my character had dimensions where things happened and you know she evolved where you know wouldn't touch alcohol and now she's you know guzzling it down simply as a coping mechanism (laughs) you're you're living in a living breathing world almost Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's a cool thing too is you whenever you have a game player at the table saying i want to do this but i know my character will do that you know that goes back to the finding the voice of they know in their head canon what the character would do so they honor that character's choice yeah when their own natural instincts is telling them no don't do that or no, you wouldn't say that but you know that's part of the fun about the fantasy is to be able to suspend that real mm-hmm. life where you can actually explore the other options and be like, well, you know what? Let's let's mouth off to the bartender. Let's see what happens. <laughs> the bartender's always got a shotgun or a crossbow behind the bar. Just saying. <laughs> or <laughs> some type of club. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, we think we've definitely expressed why RPGs are important and why RPGs are fun. Yeah. Because how many times in your life do you get to be someone else, either that accentuates your own personal morality or lets you completely take on the role of another person, you know, Mm -hmm. besides an acting class or something where you get to do it. And at the end of the day, you get a take the mask off, set it down and return back to normal life. And you know, you can go back and pick it up in a healthy way Mm -hmm. and have it not be, you know, destructive where it is a positive outlet where you get a camaraderie, you know, fellowship, comedy, you know, cathartic experiences like we're talking about Um, just using your imagination Mm -hmm. and, I, I, it's such a weird boomer moment I'm having with <laughs> like, teenagers is um, I it's like, I love the internet. I love living in the age of technology, but it's crazy about how like my kids and that era is like, they're so used to just a steady flow of content where they're never bored. Mm-hmm. Now they have actually an issue with actually dreaming up their own stuff because they're just so used to having a constant stream of data flowing into them. 
And so that was a thing that I definitely had to try to walk my players through was using your imagination. Don't rely on outside stuff that you have to go internal. You have to pull this from your own mind to put out into the real world. Yeah. That's a moment. But, um, but it's like, yeah, I mean, I've nothing wrong with people enjoying content and stuff, but you know, don't lose your own voice and don't lose your own imagination in the process. Mm-hmm. And love about RPGs is it allows people to explore the world of the mind and, you know, that, that old radio play thing, the theater of the yeah. world. Well, the way I look at it, like when you do this type of thing or you like read a book as opposed to like you have an unlimited special effects budget in your mind. So you the sky's the limit for what you can imagine. So but imagination does take practice. It does. Um, so I, I that's one of the reasons why I love it is the creativity, the socialness. It it can like when my nephew started when he was about 10, so shy. Oh, my God. He was so <laughs> shy. And at first he didn't really say anything around the table, even though it was entirely family. Um, but then once he started to get more comfortable, then he, he came up with like some of these amazing things, you know, and it was now he, he, he he's an adult. He's, he's joined the, the Navy and, <laughs> you know, he, he's been gaming with his friends for years now with homebrew, completely homebrew where they've completely created their own world system so to speak so from here where he he like wouldn't say a word or or needed help or prodding for like well let's let's go step by step well what do you think let's what type of character do you want to do and now he's like uh you know creating all these you know mismatches and stuff and it's fantastic it's Mm -hmm. so fantastic and it's just like any other muscle. It's you've got to exercise it and know that you have permission to exercise it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big one is so many people are so afraid of being judged, being ostracized because they don't want to be seen doing something silly and being made fun of. But it's like you have to let them know, too. It's like, hey, you know, what? we're all sitting down here and we're all pledging to do something silly together. Mm-hmm. So no one's going to point and laugh. You know, there's not that Nelson laugh in the background. Uh (laughs) That one. Espresso, exactly. (laughs) And that's, you know, to see when that kind of shell cracks on people and they're able to come out of it and, like, embrace the weird. Yeah. Um, It's really cool to see because, yeah, I mean – Got newer players, like you said, ten year old, teen, whatever. But yeah, they're just they're shy. They're not sure what to do. They're afraid of maybe judgment, or they're just not sure how to act. But it's just like it's positive reinforcement. I feel like that's you know always good everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, to let people say that hey, it's okay. You know what? Have fun. That's that's why we're here. You know, this is this is not a corporate meeting where we're discussing spreadsheets. <laughs> that's a different uh, RPG. <laughs> Houses and humans. <laughs> Cubicle edition. 
kill me now, kill me now. <laughs> uh, one time I got my mother a T-shirt of dragons playing an RPG around a table, and that was the name of the RPG, Houses and Humans. <laughs> <laughs> And then it was, and he was literally saying the same thing. I'm going to do a spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm plus three to Excel. <laughs> I just found that hilarious. <laughs> so I will definitely say that is probably a good place for us to wrap it up there for hashtag RPG Day 2022. Yeah, I think that was a really good episode for the the last day of mm-hmm. the the RPG. So, and it was it was great meeting you, Dale. Well, thank you. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you both for having me and let me come on to your awesome show and talk about nerd stuff that I love. Hey, you are welcome back anytime. And eventually, mm-hmm. eventually, now that we're in the not so post COVID COVID world, we, we we might have to meet up at the game store and do a one shot or something. Ooh. Well, we're going to Comic Con all this weekend, and my wife Ariana had made illusions that you guys might be there. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Yep. Yep. Now there is the Comic Con Ring Con split. Yes. At Comic Con in the gaming room, Ring Con is running the gaming room at Comic Con, and then after hours, Ring Con is happening across the freeway at the Ramada Hotel. But they are two separate events that are one event. It's it's interesting this year. Yeah. I'm gonna be mostly doing Ring Con this year. Um, but I am I, I, I'm pretty sure it's still on the books. Um, doing a panel with uh, some other cosplayers, uh, uh, customers on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I but, think your Friday panel is back on the schedule. I, di- I didn't have a Friday panel. You did have a Friday panel. You just didn't know about it. Um, uh, no. What was my, my Friday's off limits? I I'm doing the murder mystery. It, it was an earlier panel, but but I'll totally see if I can find it for you. It was <laughs> Friday at like two o'clock ish or three o'clock ish. I say because uh, yeah, I would not be scheduling anything that close to my murder mystery. Okay, actually, yeah, looks like I don't see that panel back on Friday, but your two o'clock two thirty panel is back on on Sunday. Yeah. So that's one I will be dressing for. The joy of scheduling and, and panels at conventions. Yeah. Well, normally when we do Tucson Comic Con, I would go steampunk. Um, and I will be on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But since it's combined with Ring Con, I am more Ring Con this, this go around. Mm-hmm. Two of our favorite cons, and they happen in the same weekend. Who knew? I know. Even better. <laughs> All fun at once. And uh, hopefully we will definitely run into each other because I'll be running around the con all day because I've got game stuff, panel stuff, panel stuff, game stuff. And we'll have some cool audio recordings of some panels to go ahead and post on the podcast too, which will be fun. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. All right. Well, we we'll definitely hope we run into you on uh, you guys on, sa- on Saturday or are you coming for the whole weekend? Uh, come for the whole weekend. Awesome. We will definitely run into you then. And yep. if you get a chance, check out in the game room Artemis. If you're a fan of sci-fi, it's actually a Star Trek simulator, basically. 
where you get to yes. play different roles. It's it's a super hugely popular game because you have one person playing the captain, one the pilot, one weapons, one engineering, one communications, one science. Yep. I awesome. love being the comms officer. And from my point of view, either be the commander, the weapons, or the uh, pilot. Science is, sci- um, uh, science is is cool. I like science. Science and comms work really good, well, uh, close it, together. Everything falls down to Scotty in the end. About him. Kirk can handle it. Literally, like, if I you cannot play, hold that captain. She's breaking up. If you're playing engineering and Artemis, you are one of the most important characters because you control the energy that goes to the different departments to make their departments go faster. You literally control their processing speed at doing things. That's awesome. <laughs> and your pilot will hate you if you do not give him impulse power when he's trying to turn the ship around. Yes, but the comms officer not only gets to turn the red alert on, but they get to taunt the enemy um, ships, which is so much fun. The Scarin Enforcer is Better. unmarried and has thinks his ship is weak. That's what the science officer will tell me, and then I will, you know, and I have a choice, a plethora, uh, like a choice of four insults that I can direct his way. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much fun. I love it. (laughs) And there will be two ships going at the con, too. Ah. Well, I'm not doing, I'm not on the books for Artemis until Monday. Mm-hmm. When it reverts from Tucson Comic Con to strictly Ring Con over at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Which it's, it's going to be a blast. It sounds like it definitely, see if I can try to give it a shot. That sounds amazing. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much once again, but, uh, looks like dad duties are knocking at the door. Yeah, so. I've got a birthday one shot. I got to go run to shortly. So, thanks for coming on, and we'll definitely have you on again. Well, thank you so right. much. Can't wait. Bye. Bye, right. guys. Good night, guys. And happy hashtag RPG Day 2022 with this last day. And tomorrow will be September. Thank you for listening to D and D Journey of the Fifth Edition a member of the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Please follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash CPPN to never miss a show or stream.